I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. Imagine, you train so hard for years on end. All that blood, sweat, and tears for this one moment, this single opportunity when everything that you have worked for, sacrificed for, and longed for is on the line. And in that moment, you get tripped and you fall to the ground. How would you react? What would you do? Abby D'Agostino, now Cooper, got up and she went back to help the runner, Nikki Hamblin, who had initially fallen and tripped her. The women got up to run together, but Abby had suffered a torn ACL and meniscus and she struggled to start running again. However, she still managed to finish the race and it wasn't any small stretch to the finish. It was an entire mile on that torn ACL. And Nikki was waiting at the finish line for her with arms open wide. Abby and Nikki were given the Fair Play Awards at the Olympics, and the event is regarded as the most beautiful moment of the Rio Games. Today, we deep dive into that exceptional moment in Rio with Abby, and we're also joined by her sports psychologist husband, Jacob Cooper. We'll hear Jacob's story of dealing with major injuries during his college football years that ultimately led to his interest in sports psychology. We walk through the unique dynamics of their relationship, an Olympic and professional athlete married to a sports psychologist. And we also discuss some of the things that have helped them and others get through the pandemic and Olympic postponement. And they share with us what they're working towards now and how they want to really help other athletes on their journeys. But before we get to the episode, please take a quick minute to subscribe, rate, and review us. That truly does help us to continue bringing on such amazing guests. And as my gift to you for listening today, I have a freebie that contains five smart strategies for confidence. Just go on over to laurawilkinson.com slash learn to snag it. All right. I believe that there is gold in your future. So let's dive on into this episode. Abby and Jacob Cooper, welcome to the Pursuit of Gold podcast. I'm so stoked to have you both on together with me today. Hi, Laura. It's so good to be with you. Thank you for having us on. Hi, Laura. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Okay. Well, so this is a little different since we have both of you guys on. And so I, I'd love to start with a little bit of like both of your individual backgrounds and kind of we'll we'll pull it all together and, and kind of how it's been working since then and, and what it looks like going forward. So Abby, let's kind of start with you. You've had an amazingly successful career in college. You won seven NCAA titles for Dartmouth, becoming the most decorated Ivy League track and cross country runner. But I know as awesome as that sounds from the outside, it was very stressful on you. And I would just love it if you could kind of walk us through that time? Yeah, yeah. Great question. There's a lot there. I'm so grateful for my experience at Dartmouth because I guess to put it in a nutshell, I entered college with this um, just really hungry after my experience in high school and my last two years having a couple of injuries and low iron. I just really looked forward to kind of a fresh start, you know, where I could just buy in a little bit more and and do all the little things that I could to be the best athlete I could be, really with no expectations at <laughs> all to do anything remotely like what I was able to accomplish there. And yeah, I just I just came in wanting to score points for the team and really God had other plans. You know, I I was raised in the church, but really at that point in time didn't understand what it was like to to have a personal faith and a personal relationship with God and it was through my experience in athletics there and kind of very quickly, my freshman year, 
just experiencing a, a lot of success um, in, in really like a six month period. And this will be a long story short, but yeah, I, I, I just came in as, um, like I said, hungry to, to want to contribute to the team. And I was also at the time pretty insecure of being at this place where the expectations on me were felt so strong, you know, um, as a high performance environment, being in an Ivy league school. And I really wanted to do well academically and athletically and be a good friend and just, I'm a natural perfectionist. And so I really started to internalize the high demands on me and really started to kind of obsess over certain things in my life. And um, a big part of that was, was my eating and, just started restricting myself and and lost an amount of weight that was pretty unhealthy for the amount of time. It was like just within a six month period, um, it was too much too soon, and it wasn't healthy for you know my my natural build. And so I experienced a lot of success right away, and then uh, started feeling the pressure that comes along with that. And you know, as expectations were higher, uh, I just started to experience a lot of anxiety and sometimes panic attacks. And it was really through the the distress of that and just experiencing success externally while internally feeling just in turmoil that that kind of disconnect is really what led me to become interested in the faith and, and learn, you know, what it was like to, to have a relationship with Jesus and learn the reality that I didn't have to have it all figured out, you know, that, um, that the, the grace that I received from him was the solution to this distress that I felt and was the missing piece in my life and the foundation of my life. And so that was really the beginning of my, my faith journey and the beginning of really understanding that, that my gift as an athlete was from God. And my experience as an athlete is an opportunity for me to experience God's joy and I don't have to hold all this pressure because it was a gift to me. You know, it's my responsibility to just let it out and to glorify God through it. And so it was really just a reframing of what it meant to be an athlete and a person. And yeah, I wouldn't go back and change despite some of the distress that I experienced. I wouldn't go back and change it because it really brought me to the end of myself and introduced me to this need for the Lord in my life. And that's changed everything for me. How long did that process feel like it took for you? I mean, I'm sure it wasn't this like overnight, got it, everything's better, grace is awesome, I feel great. I mean, right. how long did it take you to kind of walk that out and really understand that change and that difference? Yeah, that's a great question, Laura, because I think there's sometimes there's a misunderstanding about, you know, in some people's experience, it's just kind of like a the flip of a switch and that's fine and good and wonderful when that happens. But for me, it was really just a gradual experience of what felt like suffering to me at that time, you know, just like feeling distressed internally and not knowing how to talk about it. I was afraid of telling anyone that, you know, I feel like my inner self is a mess and, uh, I don't, Cause you have to have it all together, right? Yes. Cause I have to have it all together. Mm. Exactly. I didn't know really how to identify that or share it. I was terrified. So it was just this gradual experience of learning that like I had this invitation to grace and to rest, lay my burdens at the altar. And and this understanding that like, I just felt like I wasn't working harder than anyone else, really any of my teammates. And yet I was successful. And I didn't understand, like, that was really like where God began to woo me with his grace that like, 
yeah, <laughs> you aren't doing, but you know, like I have given this gift to you and it, this is an invitation for you to honor you through, and know me through this experience and like give your burdens to me. And so that was really like a, just a very gradual over many months understanding that like, wow, I'm so amazed that like God chose me as a person, um, to give these experiences to, and like, I want to get to know him. And so that really took years, honestly, it was, it was like my junior year, the the end of my junior year, where I was competing at the U S championships. It was after NCAA, like the collegiate season was over. I competed at USA's and was trying to make the world team and was competing against professionals and so nervous. And yeah, that was really just this moment of surrender for me where I was like, God, I don't, I didn't even really know how to pray. And I just said like, God, I'm giving this to you. This is like the only way I know how to pray. And I just woke up the morning of the race and felt such a deep peace. And so that was a transitional moment, but it really took many months for me to start to get to know this God who had invited me into this relationship. That's really cool. I I, I love that. I love that he gave you that peace. It wasn't like he helped you win a gold medal or he helped you do it. It was like, it was the peace he gave you inside. And that's something yes. that, yeah, we can't, can't get by the things in the world or no matter how many times you podium, like it doesn't give you that. You may have a, a, some gratification immediately, you know, but not that, that overwhelming peace that, that can happen in the middle of the craziest moments. Right. Yes. Amen. Uh, well, so pretty quickly after college, you turned pro, right? Like, was that a really hard transition or did you feel pretty prepared at that point? It was, I think at first, pretty seamless only because I grew up just North of Boston and the professional team that I, that I joined was in Boston. I was close to my family. I was with my collegiate coach actually took a, a role coaching team New Balance Boston, the team I joined. So at first it was like, just wonderful and like romantic really. And, um, but, uh, yeah, then after a few months, uh, started getting injured and really that was the beginning of a pretty consistent injury, um, cycle that I got into. Yeah. So I was able to learn so much through that period. That was, um, yeah, fall of 2014. Yeah. Just having to kind of walk the walk. Like I had learned these, these, incredible truths about God and about kind of like renewing my relationship with running. And then like where the rubber meets the road is where it gets hard. And so, um, yeah, it was an opportunity for God to show me my heart and that I have this tendency as, you know, I know I'm not alone here in, in, in really idolizing my sport and finding my identity in it. And that was God's grace and in providing this opportunity to show me, like I, I'm allowing you to give this over to me and should show you that when you trust me, like I will, I've got your back. And so, yeah, it was, it was through those injuries that I was able to um, really start to learn what that meant. And I say start to learn because it's a process that I'm really almost, (laughs) you know, still in. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a lifelong process for sure. Well, Jacob, let's switch gears a little bit and learn a bit about your background. Um, Abby told me that you played college football and you've dealt with injuries. Can you kind of walk us through your athletic experience? Yeah, certainly. I think the thing that I'm smiling at Abby right now, <laughs> she the the thing that she said, I think is this arduous process of coming to the end of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that definitely would be a good 
abstract of my journey too, uh, <laughs> that I'm still, there's been a few chapters of it, but I definitely am ongoing. But uh, so for me, I, I grew up in Northwest Ohio and I played football in, in, in high school and and my dad sat me down pretty young and said, hey, you know, if you want to go to college, you're, you're going to need to earn a football scholarship. That's going to be the way that, you know, if you want to, if you want that for your life and some of those opportunities that we want for you, but, but that's not something we're going to be able to afford and football could be a, an avenue for you. And so that was really a really helpful conversation I had because it really fueled me and I was successful at the high school level. And well, I was going to, I was going to ask if that felt like pressure or if that was exciting. It was exciting. Like, I think it really was, it was very loving conversation. It was very honest conversation. And it really added some fuel to a fire that was already there that I really loved football. And I loved a lot of the things about it and felt really blessed with the ability that I had. And and that was just more fuel to the fire. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, And so that uh, that kind of drove me and I started getting a lot of attention from division one schools, um, some offers and uh, was was kind of really hoping for, you know, the best in that area. Go play in the Big Ten or some areas like that. And then I tore my ACL in my senior year. Oh, and it was a it was a blessing in disguise because while a lot of those offers from division one schools faded away, uh, there was one school that still offered me a scholarship and it was called Taylor University, smaller Christian school in Indiana. And that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. So I went there, uh, the opportunity to play football and scholarship. And then about six months after the ACL, second or third full contact practice, I nearly compound fractured my left leg. I oh my goodness. Tib fib fracture, like bent about 40 degrees to the left. <laughs> oh. Right off the heels of the, the ACL in the right leg. And then this was a tib fib fracture in the left leg. And it was definitely um, uh, a pretty humbling and arduous path from there that God really used to kind of transform my life like that. Those those injuries on top of each other really helped bring me to the end of myself in a lot of ways and broke me of a lot of pretty legalistic views of, of God and, and, and meaning and purpose in life and really brought me face to face with what we talk about. And Dr. Ben Holtberg's research talked about a performance-based identity and for me, it's it's this subtle belief that there's something you can do within your sport to make God love you more or something you can do to make God love you less. Mm-hmm. And I really felt like I was being punished for something I must have done wrong. And through a lot of pain, going from going from being told I might not walk again to I'm definitely to, I'm not going to play football again to being able to actually come back and, and successfully you know, start and play meaningfully and actually be a, a captain of the team for two years and have a really awesome college experience. God just totally transformed my heart. And during that healing process of really not being able to walk for almost eight, nine months, God really stirred this. I kind of stopped asking why and started asking what. And on the foundation was my heart with my relationship with God. And that transformed entirely. And kind of like what Abby said, I started to realize that football wasn't this thing that God was using to to break me and hold above my head like a yes. like a like a carrot. It was this gift to glorify him and the relationships within that and the capacity within teams and in competition to to really glorify him. And it really shifted my whole perspective on why I did what I did and why I pursued, you know, athletics and playing at that level. And and then it also opened the door to sports psychology. I remember 
realizing I wasn't going to be the same physically anymore. It was very clear. I had to change positions. I sort of, I, they, the team needed me to learn how to play center, which oh, was, wow. one of the, <laughs> I had to gain about 50, 60 pounds and learn <laughs> a whole new position. And I also kind of started to learn about the mental side of the game and sort of took a sports psychology class, started to think like, wow, wouldn't it be great if there was a sports psychologist here? I could have really used that. Luckily, God surrounded me with great friends, coaching and mentors that helped me make meaning of my experience. But it just kind of opened up this vision of pursuing sports psychology formally as a career. And I didn't have any idea where it was going, but God definitely planted a kind of vision in my heart through my transformation with with my relationship with him that's also been channeled now towards a career and it's intersected with Abby's story now and, and, and both of our careers individually, but then also together and what we want to accomplish. That's so oh that's so cool. I love it. I mean I don't like that you went through all the pain, but I love how how it took you and it, and like you said, it just transformed you in such cool ways. Like that's that's really cool when you can look back and see what God's doing. So we don't always see it, obviously, in the middle of the trial. It just kind of sometimes sucks. But to be able to look back and see that he was so gracious and brought you through something for a purpose, right? Did you like immediately pursue sports psychology right after college? Yeah, I didn't really, if I'll be honest, I really didn't know what I was doing fully, but God blessed me with some really patient supervisors at the graduate school level that I didn't have the best, maybe academic <laughs> like, uh, GPA and pieces. Um, but yeah, I did pursue right out of undergrad. I actually had a year of eligibility left because of the leg. Um, I oh. played um, for three seasons and a lot of the team wanted me to come back. There was some opportunities to transfer and play at Ball, at Ball State or some other universities. And I chose to kind of lay that down and, and pursue graduate school. And so I went right from undergrad to uh, a dual master's in clinical psychology and sport and exercise psychology. And then from there, PhD at Boston University in counseling psychology with an emphasis in sport and performance psychology. So it Man. was a lot of school. Yeah, it's a lot of school. <laughs> like like eight million years of school later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's solid, solid decade of my life uh, uh, that I'm just now. I graduated with my doctorate in 2019. So. Congratulations. That's yeah. so awesome. Uh, big Thank you. Yeah. Well, how did how did you guys end up meeting though? Because you guys met before the Rio Olympics. I need to hear the story. Like, how did you guys meet? Either one of you can say it. You can say it together. However, you want to do it. I just need to hear the story. <laughs> That's a timely question because we're coming up on like right around Halloween was when yes. it was like the first time that um, not the first time we saw each other or met, but the first time that I actually got her phone number. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was the first legitimate conversation. It was really cool, actually, Laura, because we, yeah, we had met in the summer at the church that we both were attending. And I was greeting. Jacob was at the door greeting, and I was just attending church. And so we met each other there. We had a mutual friend, Steph, who we both love, who had been trying to set us up for months, <laughs> like probably, you know, three, four, five months. Yeah. And so Steph was her, one of her friends and running partners. And then she was also a master's student at the BU Boston University counseling and sports psychology program. And so I actually worked like with her because I helped supervise master's students as a PhD student. So we both kind of knew her <laughs> and she was trying to get us together um, for a while. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. And mm -hmm. then we met at church. But then 
so this is sort of unlike me, but we had, I had just moved into a new apartment, um, in Boston and, and some, my roommates and I had two runner roommates. We decided to have a Halloween party, <laughs> which is so funny to me because I'm an introvert, but we decided to have a <laughs> Halloween party and, uh, he, and Jake was on the, the, we invited him, but I had only talked to him once. And anyway, long story short, I went for, uh, it was like, three hours before the Halloween party. And I went for a run on this reservoir that was right near our house. Little did I know, Jake also lived right near the reservoir. <laughs> and um, I'm on this run and I actually like was jogging and I thought I rec- I was like, like came up behind him and like thought it was him and then ended up saying hi. And we ran together for like half a lap around the <laughs> reservoir. And you can tell the rest from It there. was the fastest mile of my life <laughs> and probably the slowest of Abby <laughs> but I was trying to play it cool and not act like I was going to throw up the whole time um and the funny thing is I had actually gone to run because and I was a little ambivalent on the party because I didn't know anybody um, but Abby lived in an apartment real right nearby and she of course she lived with other professional runners very beautiful women uh, my roommates found out that I was invited and they're like, we're going, can we, what, like, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know about like, we're going to go to a party. We don't know anybody yet. Like, I kind of think I like this girl. I don't, I know I don't even know her that well yet. I don't know if Halloween party is the best way to approach this. Um, and, uh, I was like, I'll go for a run and see how I feel <laughs> before. There and so, we go. Oh and so then I saw her when we were running so she, we talked while we were running and then she took off. She was like, I got to finish. And as soon as she was out, it's like, I got to go faster than this to finish. <laughs> well, what's funny is like when I, when I run, I, when I run around that, I try to as few as people, I mean, I was I'm, you know, 240 pounds, like six, three, but I try to not to let as many people pass me as possible. It's just like a competition <laughs> trick. You know how it is as an athlete. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. And pass as many people as you can. And then I felt someone coming up from behind me and I was like, and as I sped up, like she kept speeding up. Like, Who is this person? And then she comes bouncing like right next to me. And I was like, oh, I know you. That's um, so funny. That's yeah. so funny. That's a great story. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I love it. So, okay. From the, the moment of meeting to then like Abby makes the Olympic team. I mean, were you guys really serious at that point? Or were you like, does Jacob come to watch the Olympics? It's kind of a commitment. I mean, what were you? Because my husband and I, like, I, we'd only been dating three months when I made the Olympic team. And we're like, and wow. the, Olymp- the Olympics weren't for another three months. And we're like, do you come? Do you not? <laughs> you know? That is wow. that's exactly our story. Yes. That oh, yeah. is so funny, Laura. I never yeah. knew that because that is so similar. We started officially dating so we Halloween party was obviously October and then we and then I went away to altitude training and got back late January and that's when we started officially dating and then I made the team in June so whatever that is five it was five months or something that we had been dating yeah it was definitely like on the Olympics really like a month after that right exactly there was a really tight window there yes yeah and I had I was going to go to the training camp beforehand you know i was going to be leaving in like three weeks after i qualified or something yeah so yeah it was quite the conversation because jake was convinced what did tell him tell her what you said i was it's a little embarrassing honestly (laughs) i mean i I, like i still say like but she 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 invited me to go come with her and i'm a doc student living off a very very small stipend in boston and so last second trips to 
Rio de Janeiro, not exactly on the budget. <laughs> not your weekend plans. <laughs> yeah, like, when, like we've been together for five months. I was excited. Like, don't get me wrong. I wanted to go. But you're talking about, you know, kind of that's be that'd be all the money for the year yeah. <laughs> that I budgeted. And and, um, and I just said, oh, I, I said, I, don't, I you know you'll make another one. I'll, I'll go to the next one. <laughs> Uh, I don't like, like it was just like a, like a casual passing of, and I was, and it kind of shows some of my, I think I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't knew very little about about track and field and a little bit of a novice there. And so it's a little embarrassing to admit that's how I respond, but I genuinely meant it. I was like, Oh, you'll make the next one. Like there'll be, there's more, there'll be an Olympics in four years. And, and I would love to go and I appreciate you inviting me. But I was at first, like, I don't think I can swing that. I don't see how it's feasible, but I wanted to go, but that would have been a big step. And it was. So did you end up going or did you stay home and watch? By the grace of God, I ended up going. Nice. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I definitely, you know, emptied the bank account. And, um, you know, after some prayer and, and come into my senses a little bit, um, you know, was was very blessed to go. And then that was the first time I really spent significant time with her family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, right. like right out of the, we had had dinner before, but that was basically it. Okay. You, right. can, you can feel very assured. We went through almost the exact same thing. So Eric and I, like we decided like, okay, it's only been three months, but we feel kind of serious. You know, like, well, we'll do, he had to borrow money from his dad. Like, cause he didn't have money to cover. He's a swim coach. He didn't have any money, same, you know? Yeah. So same thing. He gets there. He had to stay in a room with my parents for like nine days. <laughs> yeah. And my mom goes, if he doesn't leave you by the end of this, you need to keep him. (laughs) And and I tell you, that was the very first diving meet. He saw me compete in and I won. And I was like, oh man, I'm never going to live up to this again. You're going to see me not do this well in other meets. Like, I know it's so funny. So we totally, totally understand your road. (laughs) Yeah. That was the second race I've seen her run was her qualifying (laughs) round in Rio. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see her run. Because I had a lot of injuries leading up. That is so funny. That is literally exactly the same how he stayed I was of course you know in the village as you were mm-hmm. and he's staying with my family who oh, yeah. just like thrown in yeah. to make it or break it kind of time yes yeah it was one of the it was the, one of the best big biggest blessings of, of my life Oh, that's so cool. But it was definitely pretty radical at the time. (laughs) Okay. Well, besides getting to know Abby's parents. um, So, okay, Abby, it's safe to say that 2016 probably didn't quite go how you expected it to. So I'll just kind of set the stage here. You and New Zealand runner Nikki Hamblin, you fell in the 5,000 meter qualifying heat and you did not do what most people expected, but you stopped and you helped her to her feet. Kind of walk us through this time because I know it is not what any of you guys expected. So I, I want to hear kind of your your eyes on, you know, like your version of it. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. The pace kind of 3000 meters in the pace changed and pretty rapidly. And I was in the back of the of the pack, you know, it was a first round. So typically in distance running, that first round is pretty tactical. You know, no one wants to expend too much energy because the final is a few days later. And so yeah, the pace changed and my foot just got caught under another runner and my leg kind of contorted and, and little did I know. I mean, I had no idea that I had torn my ACL. Um, I knew it was obviously my knee and that it felt really weird when I got up. And I mean, it was really the grace of God that allowed me. I mean, that was the Holy Spirit working through me to be able to respond in the way that I did. And the reason that I believe it was possible was just because my road leading up to the games was pretty rocky um, with injury. 
I had had a few stress fractures, reactions uh, in different places in my bones, like in the 18 months really leading up and get, even getting to the, I had gotten one in my tibia like 10 weeks before the trials. So it felt like a miracle that I was standing on the starting line at the trials and then having placed fifth actually in the 5k and two of the women in front of me forfeited their spots in the 5k. So that's how I got even into the game. Yeah. Yeah. It really just was like God's hand was over the whole thing that like, it was so clear that he just had given me this spot on the team. And so, Mm -hmm. um, right after I had qualified, uh, did a couple workouts. And after I think the second workout, uh, started feeling a sharp pain in my groin and found out that I had a stress reaction in my pelvis. And this was three weeks before the first round of the 5k. So I did no running except for one track workout, like a few days before, just to make sure I was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, warmed up in the pool. I mean, it was like, I was like a swimmer while I was in Rio. It was crazy. Um, but God used that time to really, again, bring me to this place of like absolute desperation. Like, I know that I'm here for a reason, but none of this makes sense. Mm -hmm. Nothing that I can see makes sense. You know, I don't even know if my pelvis is going to hold up for this race. And so it was just an opportunity. And like Jake was so, so instrumental through this time where like, I just was exhausted, honestly, emotionally. I'd had gone through so many injuries and I just was kind of confused as to, you know, talk about some of this legalistic thinking, like really challenging my heart to believe that like, this is not punishment for anything. Like this is God's providing an opportunity to minister to you and to, and to help you grow and really just like shifting my perspective on the meaning of hardship and showing me that like he was going to provide for me through his word. Mm -hmm. And that was, it was just such a radical time of like having to walk that out. Like, every morning, just like desperate for the word because I had nothing else. I mean, I couldn't tell anyone what was happening with me. I mean, I had a few key people who, you know, I'd gotten clearance from the doctor that I could still run. And I told one of the coaches and, but none of my, none of my team USA teammates like knew what was happening with me. And I just was like a really heavy time. And all I had was the truth that I would just bury in my heart every morning. And that didn't make it easy, but it was my lifeline. Mm. Yeah. I just remember like the night before, you know, Jacob and I were on the phone. Of course he wasn't with me, but we were just praying together. And I just remember being like, Jake, I, I just feel I'm so thankful that I'm here and I get to run tomorrow, but like, I'm tired. Like I really need I need God's strength tomorrow. Cause like, I'm, this has just been so heavy and I don't know what's going to happen. And so, yeah, God just was like, God, I'm, I'm just praying that your name would be known and your voice would be heard and that you would work through me. And he was so gracious to answer and just like totally subvert any of my expectations and really just move through me in that moment. Um, yeah. Of getting hurt and getting up and, 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 everything happened so quickly that that was just such a gift that it happened so quickly because if I had time to really think through what was the right thing to do, then yeah, maybe I would have, maybe I would have decided, Oh, I'm, you know, I should help this person up, but like it happened so quickly. And that is so unnatural to me to respond in a way that isn't selfish that I am so sure that it was just the Holy spirit. And I'm so grateful that it provided this platform that I now get to share God's story and what he did that day and what really matters beyond, uh, gold medals. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as you know, well, 
Yeah. Well, Jake, so you're you're watching all this play out. Were you there in the stadium? Yeah. And what? It's like 8 a.m. in Rio. I mean, yeah. Walk us through your perspective here. <laughs> well, gosh, there was two sides. There was kind of like my visceral reaction. And there was more of this like other piece of having been there for the whole lead up. And like Abby said, the really humbling circumstances of her really hard work and her talent, but then also really humbling getting there you know, being fifth and then getting to third through two athletes kind of uh, giving up their spots and stuff to focus on other, other events. So my immediate reaction in the moment, it was almost like I was a man possessed because everybody was kind of, <laughs> everybody was kind of freaking out a little bit. I was with her family and it was kind of like, you're trying to make sense. And it was on the far side of the track. And I saw it pretty clearly. Uh, a lot of people thought it was an ankle or they didn't know if Abby was down. And it, I think the football background and having torn my ACL myself and actually seen a lot of ACLs get torn right in front of me. I was like, that's a knee. Like I, like I, I've seen that before. I've actually, that's actually serious about how I tore my ACL was someone falling into my leg when I was moving and the angle that it kind of jerked to was just really reminiscent. And so I, without even thinking about it, I started moving because I think what a lot of the cameras didn't capture and stuff was like, Abby tried to get up like two or three times and run and just kind of collapsed. And I was in this total kind of like sympathetic nervous system. I went, I ran down, I was kind of like, we were at the lower level. So I got down to the lower spot and I was just looking for a space to like go to her, which is crazy and so like but i was just looking at i was like well i could definitely outrun that guy there's nobody else i'll get there before i get tased like because she kept getting up and falling and i just felt i was really just have to compelled her, yeah. to assist because it was like she's not gonna stop trying to run but her body is clearly you know, she just kept falling because of you know her acl was torn um and so i was down at the lower level i was like i just kind of had to throw my leg over one last barrier and i was honestly like sizing up the security about where's my best angle here and um she kind of found her i was my eyes were on her and she kind of found her flow like she was like her leg was she started being able to jog and run again without falling again she kind of found a way to run despite the torn acl despite the the damage to her knee. And so she was able to get up and run that last mile with a torn ACL. And I was just down there kind of watching her. And isn't that incredible? It wasn't like she, she ran the rest of a hundred. She ran an entire mile like that. Yeah. I mean, girl, that's, that's just crazy. I mean, I can't run a mile in good health. right now. <laughs> that's, uh, and, and I mean, did you, did you see Jacob? Like when she fell, did you see her like picking up Nikki and stuff too? Did you kind of see that whole interaction or were you just more focused on like, she's hurt, she's hurt, she's hurt? It was more of the, the, the latter. It was more like she was hurt and there was something wrong. And, and I, I think especially when she started getting up and falling, that's when I just started kind of mobilizing a little bit. Were you totally in boyfriend mode or was there any sports psychology swirling in your head at that moment? <laughs> <laughs> no, there I was in, that was just in, I, you know, I really, yeah. you know, care about this person that's in pain right now. Yeah, that's good. Well, I, what I love is that, um, and Abby, I love the way you talk about it and just talk about how God prepared you for that moment. Like usually you hear people talking about how God prepares you for these amazing, like, you know, top of the podium, whatever. And like, he prepared you for this collision and this like heart wrenching moment. And also this moment of kind of a unity, like the actual Olympic spirit. Like I love that your collision with Nikki, um, and, and specifically both of your reactions afterward, it was one of the most memorable and uplifting stories of the 2016 
2016 Olympic Games in Rio, and it it drew global attention. And you both received the IOC, the International Olympic Committee's Fair Play Award. President Obama called your actions exactly what the Olympic spirit and the American spirit should be all about. It's, I mean, I'm sure you were just kind of in the moment just trying to get across that finish line. Like, when did the gravity of all of this hit you? Uh, was it a while after? Was it immediate? Kind of walk us through this kind of crazy scenario. Yeah, that's such a great question. I actually don't get asked that a lot. But honestly, as I was running, like once I got my stride again, like I was, I was already just like amazed that like, I had no idea, like the the degree of attention and whatever that was going to happen. Um, but I just knew, like, as I said before, the whole time that like God had wanted me to like be there for, he had created this spot for me on the Olympic team and I worked hard, but like God was all over it. Like he had just made it clear. And the fact that I was like still able to run and like, there were just so many little things that happened in the lead up, like people, I had conversations that I'd had and like so many different stories. Yeah. Like I, you know, one of my mentors and, uh, just friends. And she was a chaplain, uh, Madeline Manning Mims, who's also, she's also a uh, four-time Olympian, Olympic gold medalist in the 800 meters. Um, she had, I had just had a Bible study with she and another chaplain, Ash, John Ashley Null, who I know, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of days before. And she shared this story about something that had happened to her at the Olympics went in 78, how she had hurt her literally, like she had this story about how she had hurt her knee and she had been in pain and she prayed, Lord, help me. And like, all of a sudden she didn't feel pain. And it like just this miraculous moment. And she shared, we, you know, we talked about this verse in Ephesians now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that you could ask or think according to the power at work within you. Like all of that had been like implanted in me and ministered um, to my heart and, And I literally wrote on my hand, like the beginning of that verse, now to him who is able, I wrote that on my left hand, the morning of the race. And so it just art, like in that moment, I felt this like vigor and this, like really just, it was such a power of the spirit in me that was like, God is able, he's able to get me through this, despite what I can feel in my knee. And I had no idea like what, what it actually meant or like being able to help up Nikki. Honestly, in that moment, I was just thinking about like, he's able to get me through this pain, like he, just like he's done every other time with my injuries. And so really like when I crossed the finish line, I was already so amazed by what God had done. Cause I knew like the second I tried to walk after I crossed the finish line, my knee gave out. So it was really, even before I knew about any of the media attention that I was just like, God just did something crazy. That's so cool. That's so, I love that. And, and I love that that's kind of a reminder too, of like, you're always told like, you need to memorize scripture. You need to know these verses, but, but that's why, because when you're in the middle of those situations, you don't always have a Bible to flip through to look for the perfect verse. Like you have to have it hidden away in your heart so that he can bring it out when you need it the most in those moments. Like you don't, you know, have a Bible on the top of a platform or in the middle of a race, you know, you've, you've got to have those hidden away in your heart so that he can bring those back out as he's in, because that's the way he ministers back to us too. And to remind us that he is there and he hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't left us or forsaken us. Like he is right there with us in the middle of those really, really hard, devastating, impossible moments, right? Exactly. That is exactly right. And it was just, it started to all make sense to me. Like why I had been, you know, he had pushed me to, like I said before, and like you said, bury that word in my heart every day in those days leading up to the games, because it, yeah, it was able to come forth in the moment that mattered the most. Exactly. Now. 
following 2016, you guys have been through a lot. So you've gotten married, you've moved to North Carolina, Jacob, you finished your PhD, like kind of what have the last, and you had surgery, Abby, to like repair all this stuff in your knee. So what has the last four years been like? Uh, Cause yeah, there's just been a lot of moving pieces there. You know, yeah. not to mention a pandemic, but we'll get to that. <laughs> I know, right? First thing, just first. that little, little thing. Yeah. 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 So I had surgery right afterward. And um, just since then, I've just been trying to get back to uh, homeostasis. You know, there's just been a lot of that was four years ago now, but um, that major surgery exposed a lot of weaknesses mm-hmm. that had been latent and not shown up yet. And so, yeah, I've just been working these past four years and through transitioning coaches and moving to North Carolina and getting married and a lot of just life change. Yeah. Getting back to where I was and then really believing like from the bottom of my heart that my, my best is, is ahead of me and, and God, you know, from ever since, you know, right after Rio, like I just had the sense that I wasn't done yet, you know, that he had more for me in the sport and Mm -hmm. um, the path has been a lot quite different than I expected since then. Just, have walked through a lot of disappointment in the amount of time it's taken me to get back to where I know I can be. But yeah, I'm really grateful to be set up with the the coach I'm with now, uh, Chris Lane and the training group that like, I've just, God's been so gracious to, again, exceed our expectations and providing me the resources that I need here to be able to, to continue to succeed and, you know, help honestly with my mental skills and the psychological piece of getting back to my racing self, you know, through the help of Jacob and, and then together through this time, like developing this passion together and this burden really for serving athletes. And because of what the stories that have been given to us that are still unfolding. Well, I love that. And Jacob, and I'd love to to walk through your side of this too, because as you're like finishing your doctorate, you're now practicing and you've had a lot of experiences, you know, on the sports psychology side of things. And, and does this, how do you walk through this with a relationship? Because, you know, I mean, there's got to be a delicate balance there of like, you probably want to help. She may want your help. She may not. Like, I don't, do you guys butt heads on this? Is it good? Is what, you know, what's the dynamic here between you two? I'm going to let Abby answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear what she has to say. Well, so when we first started dating, I remember we had this conversation because, you know, we obviously shared this interest in psychology. I was a I was a psych major as an undergrad and had been super interested in sports psychology. So, yeah, we knew we shared this interest, but we also knew how important boundaries were and... Mm-hmm. So we set them really early on, you know, like, like number one at first, you know, I'm, he was like, I'm your boyfriend, not your, not your therapist. And like that, we need to, (laughs) we need to be like clear about that, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for the both of us. And so, but it's so funny. Like I, over time, like I had, I guess I had been always been a student of the mind and so interested in matters of sports psychology and, and whatnot. But it really, of course, like anything else, it wasn't until it started to get hard for me, you know, when I was back racing after, after my ACL and it took so much longer than I anticipated. And yeah, I mean, I'd never been away for, from racing for nearly as, as much time as I was. It was over, I think it was over a year. It was like 15 months or something before I could race. Yeah, I just had a lot of that like same, you know, a lot more heightened anxiety than I was expecting. And 
there had just been so much change in my life as a person. Right. And so it was like learning how to reintegrate the maturity that I had gained holistically into my racing identity. And so, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> so, little so did I did know I was going to come crying for help. I was going to say, did you ask him for help? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, and I, so I think that from the, from day one, you know, whether when we were dating or it's like, or now we're married, it's like, we've always been like clear, like my first op, my first like kind of privilege is to love her as my wife, like Christ loved the church. And like, that's the most foundational piece for me is, and then, and then as a psychologist, I wouldn't be a very good one if I didn't talk about the importance of boundaries and her pursuing other meaningful relationships and her own counseling and pieces like that. And so with that said, though, like, everything I have and anything I've ever learned about high performance and mental skill building. I just, you know, she loves all of it. And she, and we, and, you know, anything from, you know, mindfulness for, you know, high performance and focus and and flow state to doing relaxation scripts and imagery and all the skills. Um, That's probably one of her favorite activities Mm -hmm. is I have a lot of imagery scripts and stuff and I'll, and I'll go through them with her and, urge her to to build these these really powerful skills of true and helpful self-talk and you know and being mindful of our strengths and weaknesses you know as athletes and um, a lot of the things that I've provided for professional and, and college athletes like the whole arsenal of skills is always at her disposal and and sometimes I'm the one that has to be like really reminding her like this is really something that you should talk to you know what I mean in another area because I I'm your husband and I can't, I'm not the most helpful source here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then on the same hand, anything to do with that performance optimization piece, like she just loves all of it and internalizes it and uses it. And, and uh, now she's teaching it. Now she has athletes that come to her for some of those. Tips oh, that's and cool. And, and it's been really cool uh, to learn alongside of her and, and be there. Well, that's got to be cool for you, too, as a student of the mind, like like your wife is a professional athlete. And I mean, you were an athlete, too, but she's like still doing it. So you can actively see that day in and day out as you're like walking people through. I mean, that's kind of kind of cool. She's not going to become your human experiment, though, is she? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. That's what, It's funny. One of the things that the way I say it is like, yeah, it's been a tremendous blessing. And she's taught me so much that I've been able to help myself to, and, and then also other athletes with. And before we were married, I used to pray for like years. I just said, Lord, bless me with wisdom, bless me with humility and bless me with a godly wife someday. And that was just like my pretty sh- like short prayer. And it's a good one. you got to be careful what you pray for because <laughs> he, he gave me all three combined into one. <laughs> and my wife definitely keeps me humble uh, 100% in every avenue. And then also brings her a lot of her own, you know, her, her wisdom that she's obtained. And then also, most importantly, she's a, a godly wife. So absolutely. It's been one that's been the best things ever happened to me in my life. Uh, I love it. You guys are so cute. Well, so, okay. Obviously, Abby, you were training for Tokyo 2020 and we've had this giant pandemic that postponed the Olympics and like the whole world and everything, but the Olympics are postponed till next year, 2021. And I know you're still training toward that. And Jacob, I know you've like kind of helped her walk through this. Like what is, what have these months look like for you guys and how have you kind of adapted and like what things have you worked on, I guess, mentally during this time that maybe some of the athletes that are listening to have, have experienced or maybe still going through that might help them as well. 
<laughs> Abby's thinking I can hop in yeah. first. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that there's been two primary panels in which I, I myself have been going through as someone that's kind of more of a weekend warrior, like to train for triathlons and stuff. Now I'm not obviously competing, but, um, but then also the college athletes that I'm working with and professional motivation has been huge on more of a surface level because all the research on motivation talks about the importance of goal setting. Goal setting really drives motivation. Well, what do you do when the goals get taken off the board right. and get canceled? And so motivation has been one piece. And then on the other piece, there's just been a lot of grief. There's just mm-hmm. been a lot of complex grief reaction where individuals want to move forward, but they're not maybe having the words relationship with the emotions to process, which is a really important step, this grief, this loss of expectations, security for their seasons, for their, you know, things like that. And so those have been the two biggest areas that I've been helping and going through a lot of different specific strategies to help athletes navigate at the professional and collegiate level here at Appalachian State, for sure. But I don't know. What what about you, Ab? What have you, what's been your biggest thing? I mean, I think Obviously, it's it's been a lot of fuel for the fires of intrinsic motivation, you know, mm-hmm. just like reminding us, like, I, I've been really challenged with this question of like, why did you even start the sport? Like, you know, mm-hmm. when nothing else is on is, is on the table, when these competitions that you've been aspiring toward for years aren't on the table anymore, like what, like, what would you do it anyway? Mm-hmm. You know, asking myself that question, I know I would. But it was just a, an opportunity to remind my heart, like, of why I started and, yeah, like, where these goals came from and, and just starting out as a, you know, a little uh, high school runner, um, just experiencing the joy of being part of this incredible community. Yeah. And then and then really just, like, finding a, I found a lot of motivation in seizing opportunities to, like, minister in some way. Like, I love... so. Speaking events have been um, something that I've done really since, I mean, I started that before Rio, but since Rio, I've had a lot more opportunities to speak to youth and um, high school, to collegiate, to different, all different audiences. And I love doing that. And so a lot more opportunities were uh, provided, you know, over Zoom to be able to walk through some of these issues with other athletes. And that gave me so much personal motivation in my training, just knowing that like, God's given me a lot of hardship to walk through. And so I've, I've picked up a few things along the way about, you know, what's helped me and yeah, just like understanding the purpose of suffering and seizing these opportunities for God to sharpen our character so that we can point to the hope that he's given us. And so I spoke to both Christian and non-Christian audiences and just sharing like how to capture the power of disappointment and fear and, unmet expectations. And that, that just gave me so much joy and fuel really through this time where like, I didn't really know what I was aiming for. Yeah. So I think it all, it points back to like the, the gift that it is to give. And, um, I was thankful for those opportunities. That's cool. I I love what both of you guys kind of touched on and especially Jacob with the grief. And I think people forget that like, it's important to grieve like the loss of something, like even if it's not a person and it's not like a death, like you have to grieve something that you feel has been taken away or lost, whether it's an expectation or a dream or the way of life or, or, you know, when something is just taken away from you, like it's okay to have those moments to grieve. And if you don't like that hangs with you, you know, and it turns into something else like bitterness or it, you know, it can manifest into like a lot uglier, deeper rooted things than if you just let it out and you grieve and you walk through that. And Abby, I love that you kind of found this, this, 
this other purpose, you know, in, in the midst of all of it, just like keeping yourself going and, and, and trying to inspire others. And I think a lot of times when we get outside of ourselves, it can really take your eyes off of your own issues and your own problems, your own suffering, and you're, you're lifting other people up. And there's something that you get fulfilled by doing that, that you can't even really do for yourself, you know? And I think, I think those are both just really awesome points there. And I love that. Love that. Well, and, and tell me a little bit, I know you kind of alluded to it earlier, you guys kind of have, and we talked about it a little bit the other day, but you told me about kind of a beautiful dream that the two of you have, and you're kind of working together now, and you want to work together in the future to help athletes. Like, tell us more about that. So, you know, it's still a little bit of a dream in process, but we definitely have a, a vision, we feel like, um, kind of in our hearts to provide, you know, is to kind of open up our own kind of practice and, and ministry, really. And I think that where we're at with it now is, is the kind of two prongs, um, one of which is we're finding that there is a large amount of athletes that are, whether they be um, youth sport or collegiate athletes, high school athletes, or even professional athletes that are really pursuing a way or really craving a way to pursue elite high-end training without kind of sacrificing who they are and without sacrificing their heart and their soul. And I really do think that through the integration of some specific psychological skills and through relationships and through some of the, some specific things that we can do can really proactively help prevent a lot of some of the pain, emotional numbing and performance-based identity that we see in the research that leads to decreased psychological well-being, long-term issues. It can really be prevented through uh, more integration of a holistic training and, and healthcare through the integration of it, not just the yeah physical part, but then also the psychological and spiritual elements of two. And so one prong is really working with, with not just younger athletes, but athletes that are craving that way because the gravitational pull of sport is to you know, you sacrifice relationships and other values and virtues of our, in our life, uh, because the dirty little secret is it works yeah. until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then you're kind of left without this, this more, these relationships and fuel source that you need mm -hmm. to sustain in that career or, you know, have much of a life after one. And so that's kind of the first prong is really showing this and in, in, in providing athletes with skills and spaces to, there is another way, mm -hmm. there's another way. And then the other piece is more rehabilitative, more secondary, where athletes that have found themselves a little bit emotionally numb or shut down, and maybe they're performing really well still, but they're like this, I've kind of lost, detached a little bit of that meaning or the relationships, or they've really suffered through kind of a performance-based sense of self. Or they're burned out. Or they're burned out psychologically, or they're, they're flamed out physically. That can be a pretty isolating place that high-level athletes find themselves very suddenly. And so also, uh, you know, a ministry and service to be able to work with individuals like that and help them kind of rehabilitate who they are holistically, their heart, soul, and mind to plug back into those fuel sources of love in their life and the things that they have to get back and, and, and sustainably pursue their goals in something that at once one point was incredibly refreshing and meaningful. And then at some point we they, we can lose that and help them re, kind of rehabilitate that relationship with sport. So those that's pretty broad, but those are those are what we're finding is there's a big need and we want to be able to provide consultation and, and training and for not just athletes but coaches at you know the professional and, and college level that would like to learn some concrete skills and ways to both proactively and then rehabilitative more of a rehabilitative lens help with some of these issues. I love that. That is very cool. Is there any way to kind of 
keep up with what's going to happen there? I mean, do you guys have like a presence online or anything like that that we can follow? Yes. Another timely question, Laura. So, so full disclosure, this has been a project of mine in a dream of mine really for years. And I've just, uh, my perfectionistic self has, has kicked in and I just, um, <laughs> haven't, haven't quite launched a website yet, which will, so this website called running with heart is at first meant to be, I just longed for a place to create community among athletes just to expand my platform and share the journey that I've been through because I understand what it's like, you know, for sport to feel hard and to, you know, experience the ups and downs. And I'm not somebody who loves the platform of social media. I, you know, I, I recognize its value, but I, my personality and style lends itself more to like longer form writing than, you know, an Instagram caption. And so I've wanted to create this space to make, to share my story and, and to, I hope and pray that athletes will just feel less alone in their struggles. Um, so it's called running with heart and I have taken many months to really craft the actual website and I'm so close to launching it. So that will be, it'll be runningwithheart.org. Um, that will be a place, um, that, athletes can get in touch with us at first. We hope that I'm, you know, I'm planning to just write, have a blog and it's a place for athletes to, to contact us, but we hope that it's also in the future, a launch pad for us when we have a more well-developed structure of what we're going, of the private practice that we hopefully will create. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a launch pad for that, you know, and, and opportunity for, uh, us to connect with people who are interested in having us speak at an event together or separately. Yeah. So our business itself is not yet created, but we're taking steps toward that now. And, and the initial way to get in touch with us is through uh, running with heart. Mm-hmm. .org. Okay. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes too. So people can find that really easily. And um, you're, you're also on Instagram, Abby too, right? So we can kind of follow you on, on the road there to, to Tokyo. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jacob, Abby, thank you guys so much for, for taking the time and, and just being vulnerable and open and, and sharing all this stuff and, and your hearts. Um, I absolutely love that. And I'm sure it has just made such an impact on the people listening. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Laura, and for what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.